Well, good morning. Glad to see you here. Let's all stand together. In Psalm 100, beginning in verse 4, the Word of God says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever, his faithfulness through all generations. Our hope, we can place that completely and wholeheartedly in the Lord. Amen? Because he is faithful. Let's sing about our hope, and that is that hope is Christ. What is our hope in Christ and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to Him belong? Who holds our days within His hands? What comes apart from His command? And what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand.
son. First words, there we go. I had a song I love to sing since I again. Since I have been redeemed, since I have been redeemed, I will glory in his name. Since I have been redeemed, I will glory in my Savior's name. Very good. You may be seated. You sound well this morning. Are you refreshed from the new year? Hey, men. Two weeks, man-to-man -man kickoff. It's coming up. Two weeks on a Sunday evening. It's $10 per person. You can sign up um, just by taking one of the offering envelopes or one of the communication cards and uh, dropping that in the, in the box as you leave today. Or you can do it online if you want to scan the QR code on the bulletins there by the door. You can scan the QR code and pay online that way, all right? So be sure to mark it down. Two weeks from today, we're going to have our man-to-man -man kickoff event. Now... There's a whole lot of stuff back there on that uh, connection desk. Uh, yearly uh, Bible reading plans. You got January's back there. We only have one book that I saw back there, unless somebody's already picked it up. But you got January, and we'll have some more books available soon. Uh, there's some other um, <clears throat> through the year books, readings that you can grab there. And then there's also, we've got the 40 Days of Purpose, What on Earth Am I Here For? book and study guide. So if you're interested in in taking that and reading through that um, as, as we begin this new year, be sure to grab one of those. One, uh, one other announcement that I want to make, and I'm going to put these over in front of the piano at the end of the service so you can come and check them out. We have three cards here that were uh, sent by some of the inmates that uh, you all write letters to through our Heart for Inmates uh, ministry program. Vivian gave these to me. And you want to, if you're involved in that at all, or if you have any questions about being involved with that, please see Miss Vivian. Vivian, raise your hand, wave at everybody, okay? Um, but I'm going to put these down on here by the piano on the rail, and be sure to stop by there and read these cards from these inmates. Uh, very personal 
thanks that they have for you, and they want you to know that they really appreciate you. And then this one right here, this is extra special. He makes his own cards, and if you look at the detail in which he did this, it was very, very, very nice. So be sure to check that out, okay? All right. Now, as we continue, let's look at a scripture, okay? It comes from Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, and it says this. But when the kindness of our God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, he poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Just like I said at the beginning, we have hope in Jesus Christ because of what he has done for us, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We have hope of eternal life. Let's take a moment to pray and to focus on that hope that Jesus has provided for us and and thank him for what he has done for us. Father, as we are still in the beginnings of this new year, may our hearts be totally focused on you, seeking you out each and every day, asking you to speak to us so that we can be changed from within to reflect your glory. And we want that because you have given hope to the world. You've provided a way that we can have eternal life. You've provided a way that our sins can be washed clean. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. And you've provided a way for us. May we praise you forever and always for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes 
to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Praise the Jesus. 
God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee, holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Let's stand and sing it together. Yeah.
trust in you. trust in you. There is none like you. Our hope is completely in you. There's hope in no other. The word says that Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And we trust that, and we place our hope in that. For what you've done for us, we thank you. May Jesus be glorified here today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Am I on? Everybody hear me? All right. Awesome. Well, I know you guys are surprised. Um, I'm not Raymond or Jeff, so we're down to the C team today. Um, so it's going to be okay. Uh, but I usually speak to youth, so we should be out here in about 10 minutes. So, uh, yeah. Hold the applause here. No, 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 I'm good. I'm just kidding. Um, we know that anytime we open God's Word, that it is not in vain. And so as we look at God's Word today, we're going to be in chapter, or Exodus chapter 17. Um, and so if you want to go ahead and turn there. Um, a couple of announcements that we've got, just to reiterate what Warren uh, said earlier. We've got some resources at the resource table for the daily reading um, this year. So we should have um, the Foundations book, which is five a day. Um, the normal reading calendar, um, which is just January only, um, but uh, we're going to have more for the rest of the year come out at a later date. And then the 40 Days of Purpose book is available out there as well. So just to reiterate that, those resources are available to you. Um, and so first off, I just want to hope, every, everybody, hope everybody had a great Christmas um, and a time to be with family and friends. I know that Alex and I had a great time going up to North Arkansas and over to Memphis. Um, we got to play in just a little bit of snow. I got one snowball at Alex. Um, and so I was pretty, that's like satisfactory right there. You know, we can move on to summer now. Um, and so, but we, we braved the snow a little bit. Um, it was great to be up there. Um, just kind of refreshing time for us, I know. Um, but we are glad to be back here with our Westgate family. And so I just wanted to thank you guys as a church and how you guys have welcomed us these last six months um, into your homes and into your lives um, and just getting to know us. It has been great um, getting to know you and honestly like we feel like we have family here um, because of y'all and so I just wanted to extend that thank you to you guys because um, it has been a blessing these last six months since we've been here and yes it has been six months. It's gone by pretty fast you know um, and so anyways um, so as we we're turning to chapter Exodus chapter 17 I've got a little story to tell on myself um, as we jump into this. And so um, back in sophomore year of college, um, when I was a young lad, uh, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, some of y'all are laughing at that, right? Yeah. Uh, anyways, when I was a sophomore in college, um, uh, my brother and I decided we wanted to get, and another friend of mine in college, we wanted to get into backpacking. Um, so we wanted to, you know, Arkansas, we were up in Arkansas, so there's all these trails that you can hike. Um, you can go as far as you really want to, honestly. There's one that's like the entire state of Arkansas, and so we didn't do that one, thankfully. But um, we decided we were going to do what's called Eagle Rock Loop. And so it's a 26-mile loop that we were going to do in three days, 
and two nights. And so um, as beginners, you know, when you start anything new, you always set your goal to do the hardest thing possible, right? And so the Eagle Rock Loop is the hardest loop rated in Arkansas that you can do. And so, you know, us being young and naive getting into this, um, we had gone camping before. You know, we had done one-nighters, but it was always near a creek where you could swim and, you know, you get out, eat some hot dogs, and then you go home, right? You know, you know like that's kind of our camping. You do one night. Well, we were going to do two days and three nights to hike this 26-mile loop. And some of you, I've told this before, and some of the Marines come up after and say, man, you're weak, you know? <laughs> like, you, you know what we've done before? You know, you know, like all you vets. But we were brand new to this, you know? And so we had all of our equipment. Um, we were really excited. We would saved up money and bought, like, camping backpacks and, and tents. And we had all the nine yards that you could get to go backpacking. We had everything. I remember I weighed my backpack. It was 60 pounds, uh, which is quite a lot. Once again, you know, you vets out there, give me a break. You know, I've never been in the military. So, but it was 60 pounds, and I had way overpacked for this two-day, three nights. But I was just excited. I got to use all of my equipment, you know. It's like, I'm like, I'm ready to go. Let's go do this. So, the first day we get there, um, I'm hiking. We're going along. We're doing great. We do the first kind of stretch that we had planned, get to our campsite. And I realized I'd only packed enough food to have two meals a day and a pack of Skittles. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of learned since doing this that each time you go, you learn something new that you're doing wrong. Um, and so, I, you know, by the second day, you know, I'm still doing okay. Uh, I remember by the supper on the second day, I was licking the little ration thing I had clean because I was starving. Um, and so by the third day, as we were hiking out, the only thing that I could think about was the subway that we had passed coming in to the trailhead. And so thinking about that subway, um, it's kind of sad, actually. The third day was actually the prettiest area of the hike. And so it's called the Winding Stairs. If you've ever been on this loop, it's really pretty. There's actually a trailhead that's pretty close, and it's like a two-mile hike to get to it. So if you're ever interested in doing that, um, it's up near Hot Springs, Arkansas. Um, but um, so we, we've gone back since to look at this. But anyways, I... The third day, I was so hungry, all I could think about was Subway, is I was so blinded by my hunger, I was so blinded by what was going on, and my mistakes really, uh, that I missed the prettiest area of the hike, because I was just hauling it to get to Subway. You know, all I could think about was that Italian sub with pepper jack cheese and lettuce, and, and you guys are asking me to stop right now. <laughs> yeah, it's all I could think about. Um, but I was so blinded by my hunger, so blinded by my uncomfortableness, that that's, I missed the prettiest area, and I actually had to go back to see it later on. And so as we're hopping into Exodus chapter 17, um, and I'm going to ask my youth this question, what's the first thing that we always do whenever we open Scripture? Starts with a C. Context, right, yeah, we got it, yeah, so they're learning. So we, we always have to establish the context of what is going on, within scripture, right? Um, we can't just pull it out and make it mean whatever we want it to mean. So what's the context of Exodus chapter 17? Well, this is Israel leaving Egypt. They have just escaped Egypt, and they're headed to the promised land. And so what had happened was, is before even e they were in Egypt and everything, is God had made a promise to Abraham that he would receive the promised land. He actually made a covenant with him that um, his his descendants would number as many as the stars, and it also that a blessing would come through Abraham's descendants that would bless all of the nations. And so this is God carrying out and accomplishing 
um, his pro- covenantal promise to the people of Israel that was passed down generation to generation to generation. Now, we know that Abraham doesn't get that immediately, right? He actually goes to the promised land, and he kind of wonders for a while, and then we kind of go through the generations, and you've got Joseph that ends up in Egypt um, during a famine time, right? You know the story of Joseph, the life of Joseph. He was sold into slavery by his brothers, and then he is there for a time, and then his brothers actually come to him, and God actually shelters the people of Israel within Egypt for a time. However, after a couple of generations there, we know that they were enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. And so 400 years, that's, that's kind of a big number. We don't comprehend that. So that would be, let's see if my math is correct, like 1623, right? I'm not the best at math. I need my math teacher friend over here. So <laughs> 1623, right? So that's how long they were in slavery from then until now. So that's a long time to be in slavery. But we see also that God, during the story, that God hears their cries to him as they are in slavery, and he sends Moses to free them. He sends the ten plagues. So we see the ten plagues happen. God is freeing his people. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. So he lets them go. Not only does, he let the, does Egypt let them go, they basically give all of their gold and their cattle and stuff and say, please leave you know, uh, please get out of here. Um, And so then the people of Israel leave, they cross the Red Sea, you see Moses with his staff parting the Red Sea, they walk through as if it is on dry ground, get to the other side, the the Red Sea swallows up Pharaoh's armies, and they are headed to the promised land. So that's where we are at today, we are heading to the promised land as they are walking through the wilderness. So starting in verse 1 in chapter 17, it says, the entire Israelite community left the wilderness of sin, moving from one place to the next according to the Lord's command. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So who here has ever moved before? Everybody, right? At least once. You went to college or maybe moved out of your parents' house, hopefully by now. But anyways, if you've moved, then you know how hard it is. It's not fun. You know, my parents joked um, this last Um, Every time we go home, they say, we're going to downsize, but then they don't want to move, you know, and they've joked because they've moved so much in their life that by the end of it, they're just throwing things in trash bags. They don't care anymore. Get it on the truck. We're getting out of here, you know, and so they're, and even (laughs) my mom said, usually they're not even talking to each other anymore. They're just like, we're getting done with this, you know, and then once we get there, we can then have a conversation. And so when you're moving, even in modern day times, it is hard. Um, we moved six months ago, and it, it, was, it was hard. We, we had the greatest blessing of all in that Westgate unpacked all of our stuff in about 30 minutes. So it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, and so, uh, but um, it's hard when you're moving. Now imagine doing that with donkeys and cows and camels. And imagine moving through the wilderness where there are no highways, there's no interstates, nothing of that. You're, you're literally packing up all of your belongings and then walking with it through wilderness. There's no roads, nothing of that sort. So the people of Israel are going through hardship, and then on top of that, they don't have any water, and they're in the desert. And so they are dying of thirst. They're, they are thirsty. They're, they're going through great hardship. So what happens in verse 2, we see, so the people complained to Moses, give us water to drink. Why are you complaining to me? Moses replied to them, why are you testing the Lord? But the people thirsted for water and grumbled against Moses. They said, they said, why did you ever bring us from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So it's gotten so bad that the people have forgotten how bad they had in Egypt. They were in slavery, 
And now they're questioning Moses, saying, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us from thirst? You've brought us out here just to die. What is the purpose of all of this? Why are we here? And it even gets so bad that in the next verse, uh, Moses says in chapter four, or verse 4, he says, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? In a little while, they will stone me. It's gotten so bad that the people, that Moses is terrified for his life from these people. Because they are so thirsty, they're going through so much hardship, they're questioning why they were even brought out of Egypt. They would rather be in Egypt than where they are now, following after the promises that God has given them. That's how blinded they were to what God has done already in their lives. So much so that Moses feared for his life. So what does God do? The Lord answered Moses, Go on ahead of the people, take some of the elders of Israel with you, take the staff that you struck the Nile with your hand, and go. I am going to stand there in front of you, in front of you on the rock at Horeb. When you hit the rock, water will come out, and the people will drink. And Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. He named the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites complained and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? See, the people of Israel, they were so, so caught up in their hardship, they were so caught up in, in their thirst and in the hardship of moving across through the wilderness that they had already forgotten how bad they had it when they were enslaved. They, you know, elsewhere in Scripture, earlier on, when they received manna and water, they, they grumbled for the first time. They said, why? Like, we had it better in Egypt. Like, at least we had water and food, right, when we were enslaved. And out here in the wilderness, we do not have this. And so, basically, they're questioning the Lord. They're not trusting in the Lord. It says they question if the Lord was among us. And in Moses crying out to the Lord, so much so to the point that he's scared for his life. They're going to stone me. That's how angry and upset these people are about their hardships. They are blinded to what the Lord is doing among them because of their hardship. And it gets even worse for the people of Israel. In, in verse 8, we see it says, At Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. So not only are they going through thirst, not only are they having to move all their belongings through the wilderness, um, but they're getting attacked by the people who are there. And so it's just one thing after another, like, Lord, what is going on? Why are you bringing us out here in Israel? I thought it was going to be an easy trek to go up to the promised land, and it was supposed to be great, and we were going to have a great time there. Why is this so hard? Well, we see. Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. And I want to pause for a second and point out the staff, right? This staff has done a lot, right? It has been with Moses for a long time. It turned into a snake. It made the, the, the Nile River blood. It parted the Red Sea. Um, it made water come out from a rock, right? It, is this staff a special staff? No. The staff represents God's power and what he is doing for his people of Israel. He is taking care of his people of Israel and using this staff as a representation of himself in doing that. And so I want you to kind of keep your eyes on the staff as we go through the story because it kind of shows you what God is doing behind the scenes. So what, what happens, um, he says, Select some men and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And while Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. 
When Moses' hands grew weary, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down with it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. I don't know if you've ever tried to hold your arms up for a long period of time, but it gets hard after about 10 minutes. <laughs> so he, he's trying to hold his arms up. You know, he's got his staff up, and, and, you know, his arms are up. He's trying to hold it up there, but his arms are getting tired, and so his friends have to support him. And he even has to sit down on a stone and hold, be sitting here like this with his friends holding his arms up so that he, the Israelites can win the battle. And so with that picture, do you think that it was because of Israelites' tactical abilities that they were able to win that fight? No. Who won them that fight? It was the Lord. Remember the staff. Moses is holding the staff in the air. The staff was there there whenever they needed water. The staff was there when, when Moses was doing the ten plagues. The staff was there as God's power was being poured to keep Israel to accomplish his purposes through their life to keep his promise, his covenantal promise to Abraham has been passed through the generations of Israelites to keep them to say, hey, we're going to take you to the promised land so that eventually a blessing could come through them that is Jesus for all the nations. So this is what happens. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this down as a scroll of reminder and recite it to Joshua. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. He said, Indeed, my hand is lifted up towards the Lord's day. The Lord will be at war with Amalek from generation to generation. And the thing I want to point out here is, is that Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. How different is that than the place that is named above, which is called, he named the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites complained, because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? See, the people of Israel, were they were going through great hardship. You know, if you ever go with water for, out for a long time, you'll start complaining that you need water. You know, you make it two or three days at most without water. They're going through great hardship moving across. They're being attacked by people constantly as they're going through this walk um, to get to the promised land. They're going through great hardship, but they are blinded to the fact that the Lord is with them every step of the way. He provides water. He, he, he did the ten miracles of the ten plagues so that he could, the Pharaoh's heart would be unhardened so that he would let them go. But um, he provided the crossing of the Red Sea when Pharaoh changed his mind and said, no, I, I want you to be slaves here instead. And he sent his army out after them. When they crossed the Red Sea, it was as if it was on dry ground. And then the Red Sea crashes over Pharaoh's armies and they're, they're allowed to cross the Red Sea and get away from Pharaoh, escape Egypt. They've already complained one time within here, asking for food and water, and God provides. He sends them manna from heaven. And yet here's a second time how quickly they have forgotten what God has just done previously, that God provided water and manna. And yet here they are complaining. It's the Lord among us. You just brought us out here to kill us. That's all this is. Just to kill us. That's all it is. And yet God stays faithful, remains faithful. And even though they said, is the Lord among us or not, he provides water so that they could drink. God keeps his promises even when we fail to keep up our end of the deal. One of the things we learned in seminary was about this, this covenantal process. Um, it's kind of like a king making a deal with a subject. 
So like if I'm a king and I have a, a person that is a subject of mine and I'm making a deal with him, that's kind of what a covenant is like. So God, in his covenants, he always keeps his end of the deal, even when we are messed up. Even when we mess up our end of the deal, God keeps his side of the deal. God is always faithful. And you can see that through Israel's time. If you keep reading the Old Testament, you'll see Israel, you know, they do good for a while, then they do bad. And then they do good for a while, then they do bad. You know, kind of reflects my life a little bit, it feels like. But God is always faithful. But then you see the second banner. It says the Lord, or the second name, the Lord is my banner. God is the one that won them that victory over the Amalekites. God is the one that won those battles. But yet the Israelites were so blinded, they, they couldn't see what God has done. So today, if you're a believer in the room, I, I don't know the struggles that you're going through, the hardships that you are going through, but I know that they are there. Because we know in the New Testament, in James 1, 2 through 4, and elsewhere in the New Testament, and elsewhere in Scripture, that hardships are almost assumed to be a part of our life. We see in James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Consider it great joy when you experience various trials. Trials are almost assumed that they are going to happen. Elsewhere in Scripture, Jesus points to himself and says, hey, look at what they did to the master. What will they do to the servant? Hardships are a part of our life. Hardships are a part of this life on this earth that we go through. I tell my youth all the time, if you ever hear anybody say, hey, if you have enough faith, you'll get a Ferrari and a lot of money, and you need to have a red flag go up and say, hmm, that's not true, because we know in Scripture that hardships are going to be a part of our life. So what do we do with that? Do we be like the Israelites and we allow the hardships to come in our life to blind us where we say, Lord, are you even among, are you around me? Are you providing for me? Are you with me? Are you fighting my battles? Because in those moments, I know it it is really tough. When I was 13 years old, um, I I was born with a club foot uh, when I was was born. So your foot is born like this. and so uh, they had to do various surgeries when I was growing up to correct that. When I was 13, they told me I was going to have to have a surgery when I was 13, 15, and 17. Um, and there was going to be about a six-month recovery for each one. Now, I was a, growing up as a baseball player, and this was all going to happen during baseball season. So this devastated me when I was 13. My identity was wrapped up. We played baseball from March all the way around to October through travel teams, all-star teams, whatever it was. And so I was going to miss basically three seasons, in my mind, of baseball. And it crushed me. And I remember crying out to the Lord at 13 years old, not understanding why he would allow this to happen to me. I was like, why, Lord, would you allow this to happen to me? And I remember when I was crying out to him, it was almost like this unearthly peace came over me. And I I remember crying about it. I didn't understand but this other under, otherworldly peace came over me, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit giving me comfort during this time, and he was saying, hey, I am with you. There is a purpose behind this. And I know for a fact, to this day, if that had not happened, I would not be where I am today, because that is a part of the story of what God has worked in my life through those surgeries, through that hardship that was in my life. And I'm not comparing my story. You could 
I don't compare hardships and stuff like that, but I do know that when those hardships come, what we are to do is we are to turn to the scriptures and hold on to the promises and the truths that God has given us. We've been holding on, in First Peter, sorry, in the youth group, we've been going through First Peter, um, and we've been looking at all the promises and the truths that we have covered in that, and we see that we are given an inheritance that will never perish, that will never fade away, that will never be taken away from us, that is being guarded by our faith in Jesus Christ, by God's power. The same creator that created the world is guarding our faith to a salvation that is to come. And so if a believer, if you are in the room today, that is a promise that you can hold on to, that you have been adopted into the family of God by your faith, and that that can never be taken away, no matter what hardships are going on in this life. We see that elsewhere in First Peter that we are, assi- we are made into a, pr- whole, a priesthood where we get to be a part of God's church. We get to be a part of his plan of salvation for the earth to make disciples through the church, the bride of Christ. That we get to share the gospel. We get to be a part of that plan as God reaches those who need to hear the gospel. We get to be a part of that. We get to hold on that promise is God works through us to reach the lost. We see elsewhere in scripture that God we see elsewhere that promises all over scripture that we can hold on to as believers. That God has given us to hold on to. Are we going to allow the hardships in life much like me with Subway to blind us, to keep us from seeing what God has already done. And so a believer in the room, I don't know the hardships that you are going through, but I do know the promises that God has given us. And so hold on to those promises. Hold on to those truths as you are going out. If you know someone that is struggling next to you, someone who's going through a hard time, love on them, encourage them. That's one of the reasons why God gave us the church. And so that we are a community of believers surrounding one another with prayer, encouragement, and love. Lift them up. Give them a hug. Kiss them on the cheek. Let them know that you are with them. That's why, one of the reasons we have the church. And if you're an unbeliever in the room this morning, let me tell you that God desires to have a relationship with you. So much so that he sent his son to die in your place on the cross. He lived the perfect, sinless life. And then on the cross, God poured out his wrath for yours and my sins on top of him. And three days later, he rose again, and that is the check clearing. That is God accepting that sacrifice. And all you have to do is place your faith and trust in him, and make him Lord of your life, and repent of your sins. And the Bible says that you will be saved. That's something you would like to talk more about, explore more about, ask more questions about. I'll be over at the crosses over there afterwards. We'll have our deacons of the month at each of the, the aisles if you need some prayer, need to talk to someone about what we're doing here. So... Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this time to worship um, your holy name. We're so thankful for this time together to learn more from your word. Father, I pray that your word would just go forth, that it would be in our minds and our hearts, Lord, as we go this week, that we would hold on to the promises and the truths that are in Scripture, that we would hold on to those, that we would encourage one another with prayer and, and just Scripture, Lord, and the truths that you have given us no matter the hardships that are coming. I pray, Father, this week that you would place people in our paths that need to hear your gospel and give us the wisdom and the gumption 
to go and tell them your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to make a decision for the Lord, now's the time to move deacons. If you'll move to your spot, and then Stephen's over here under the crosses. Let's worship our Savior through this time. You're my solid rock and my salvation, my steadfast hope that won't be shaken. My soul will wait, my soul will wait for you. You're my comfort when I feel forsaken, my refuge and my sure foundation, my soul. is love I can't explain. This is mercy unreserved through your sacrifice so great. I have peace that's undeserved for the battle has been won and I fear no shame or loss. Now the sting of death My steadfast hope that won't be shaken. My soul will wait. My soul will wait for you. You're my comfort when I feel forsaken. My refuge and my sure foundation. My soul. Have a great week.